episode 80 of Story Mode, a video game podcast, the official podcast of StoryModeGaming.com. I'm your host, Jesse Munro, and I'm joined tonight by Keelan Chicken Run Simpson. Yo. Simon Chicken Parmesan Evans, and special guests from Fan Critical, our brother from another mother, in some cases, not that. <laughs> Even closer. <laughs> some cases, just. Gaz Chicken. Little ever. Oh, I like that. I thought of it. Th- I thought. I thought of three chickens. That's fair. That all three of those make sense. That's where I would assign them. Actually, no. I'll take chicken run. Thanks. Let's. If I, I'm the guest, oh. I'm the guest here. Give me the good all right, one. Keelan, you can be chicken run two. The upcoming film. <laughs> I'll be chicken okay. run two. I'm thrilled with that. <laughs> See, look at that, guys. We're trying to make you feel at home. Yeah. I've... You've come from you know traditionally TV and film related podcasting series. We're trying to make you feel at home with classic. Claymation? Or was it animation? I can't remember Chicken it's, Run. No, it's Claymation. It's, Clay, yeah. it's Claymation? Yeah, it's by, yeah, um, it's by what they're called. The old Wallace and Gromit. Uh, Wallace lot. and Gromit? Yeah. I don't Ar- think they Ardman? actually did it themselves. Ardman. Ardman, yeah. GGS. And they also did that, um, oh, what was that TV show? I remember you bought me a DVD of it and you asked me to watch it and it was really funny. It was basically just interviews of the British public animated as like fish and rabbits and stuff like that and it was oh really yeah fun. i did get you that i can't remember yeah. what it was cool. i can't that remember what the fuck it was cool that was, fun. That was that was really fun Ardman is incredibly talented that is the weirdest I was, about say, I was about to say like english tv is fucking wild but then i thought no english tv is actually really good so yes like it's incredible incorrect claim of mine. <laughs> i want to yeah. see that now that is so freaking weird if i can remember what it's called i'll absolutely let you know because oh, it was yeah i'm gonna genuinely look really funny yeah. And so, like, was- yeah, like, there's this one guy who's, I think, like, his interview was happening at a beach, and he was talking about something beach-related, and so they just animated him into a seagull, and there's, like, a handful of other seagulls having a fight in the background. <laughs> no beaches in the UK. <laughs> yes, there are. There are loads of beaches. It's a giant yeah. island, you fuck. <laughs> it touches water, He's but when it's mainly rocks. It's, like, yeah. land, rocks. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, are they beaches if you can't use them due to foul weather? Yes. Uh, I also beaches? like the chicken reference the there, beach. the foul weather. Oh, yeah, there you go. I'm That's... glad you got it. Count the chicken references. Drink every time you hear a chicken reference. Dumb. Guys, how you doing? I'm very well, mate. I'm very well. Are you... I'm so... I feel like there's a little bit of my soul that has been replenished, having seen you... This evening, Jesse. I know. It's been, it's been a bit much. I haven't seen you for... It's been far, far too long. I mean, it, it, this is the problem. We we are constantly locked down. And when we're not locked down, we... We're lazy. Are lazy we're and shit at, at catching up. Well, no, we try to catch up a fair bit. And then just things keep coming up. But when this lockdown's done, we're going to go get some Viking dinner. Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah, with big giant yeah, knives yeah. and giant slabs of meat on my plate. For people who have no context of this conversation... You're not going to get it. That's just, that's just <laughs> I, we up just now. do that. We do so, that. If I'm able to come over to Melbourne at the allocated time frame, I would love to fucking take part in this. Because yep. it just you sounds... can eat Viking dinner. We're, um, we're, we're Viking Still? descendants, by the way. So yeah, that's true. don't worry about it. Yeah. That's cool. And speaking of Vikings, if I was going to come to the main topic, I would have had a great segue there, but I'm not yet. <laughs> Keelan, how are you doing? <laughs> Ah, um, I am main topic, Keelan. I'm, I'm frustrated <laughs> and annoyed. Is that Keelan Simpson retrospective episode? <laughs> okay, now I know Keelan. I've known Keelan like ten years now. Um, 
<laughs> we could do a Keelan's retrospective episode, actually. Been a shithead the whole time. <laughs> he has, but if anything, getting worse. <laughs> Keelan, how you been? Uh, yeah, all good. I have just come into possession of a PlayStation 4, Jesse. Yeah, you have, buddy. I yeah, am so thrilled. There's so many exciting games that I never got to play during the last generation and now i have them all i have literally every game that i want to play on that console sitting with me ready to go other than spider-man and i'm super thrilled i've started huh. playing final fantasy 7 remake and it is pretty spectacular i'm really enjoying what i've experienced thus it pushes far. that console it really does. yeah it's very loud it's like a jet i'm really concerned um <laughs> at, i'm at the point where i i think i should probably take it apart and use um uh air um compressed air to clean it surprise didn't do that from the start yeah without Um, being funny you probably should i didn't know how easy it was to actually take the the lid off a ps4 pro like you can it just clicks out and you can just blow it clean correct me if i'm wrong but all models of the ps4 were designed to have interchangeable faceplates I, I thought you were going to say we're designed to play games. So, yeah, well, yeah you'd hope so. So <laughs> it is. I mean, it, I mean, the PS4 was different. The, the original PS3 wasn't. <laughs> it's a hey, supercomputer. I've um, I've got Spider Man sitting here. If you want to borrow it, <laughs> I think it's Simon's. But um, uh, yeah, I'll lend yeah, it that to is you. my copy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, right, feel guys. free, feel free to borrow my copy if you want, Kill. It's not a problem. Kill Thanks, Simon. If you want, I'll put it on I PS5 have an old copy. <laughs> If you want a uh, to borrow my PS3 copy of Tom Clancy's Hawks, um, it was my mate Matt back in high school. I still got it. Yes. You can borrow it. Bad news, it doesn't have a case, so. Okay. Uh, Jesse, will it work in the PS4? It didn't work on the PS3. To be honest. Okay. Right, Keelan, it was Tom Clancy's Hawks, okay? <laughs> Calm down. Don't expect too much. Um, good. I'm running out some of games to play, Jesse. Some so say I'm it's desperate. the game that killed him. You're running out of games. Yeah. I'm, that's sarcasm. I'm not. I've got yeah, too many games saying, to yeah. play. Ugh. Simon, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I um, Yesterday was one of my uh, my cat, puppy cat. Um, it was her first birthday. So in all of her excitement, my partner decided <laughs> to throw a birthday party no. <laughs> for my cat. No, not, no problem with a birthday party for a cat. Not a problem. But you know what I'm going to say, Simon, because the I've name. been against this from the start. The name is the nonsense. Name? The name is absolute nonsense. Look, for for Caught chicken cat. <laughs> a drink. <laughs> uh, look, for what it's worth, okay, my cat is called Glitch. Suits him very well. I wanted to call this cat Pixel. It is an ode to... Um, obviously video games as a whole, and also the webcomic Gamer Cat, in which there are two characters, one called uh, Glitch, the other one called Pixel, and there's a handful of other people. Uh, you know, cool. Like, I really, really enjoy that webcomic. I think it's really cute. Yada, yada. And after a lot of debate with my partner, we could not decide on a name, and we were joking around. And there is a, a TV show, quote-unquote, on YouTube called Bee and Puppy Cat. And Puppy Cat is like this interdimensional being um, and has some sort of superpowers and stuff. And it's quite funny, a little bit silly, uh, sort of Adventure Time-esque humour. Mm-hmm. And Puppy Cat is genuinely hilarious in that. And so we were 
kidding around and we were like, Haha, why don't we call this cat dog? What about puppy? And then I was like, what about puppy cat? And we're like, yeah, and that stuck, unfortunately. So... You, you, it was a joke. You, went, that on went, such a, too you far? went on such a walk there to try and like take the blame off yourself yeah. to only admit that you're the one yeah, who came that, up that with was on well you, dude. It was a joke. I didn't think it would actually stick. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't. You're the one who made it stick. No, no, I'm not. I'm not the one that made it stick. I have. I cannot you take. Would, you you would came be up the worst with the name. Lawyer. You name the cat. <laughs> Good thing I'm not a lawyer. Like you can change the cat's name at any point. It's not like a legally binding thing. <laughs> like, does it have a license? Uh, no, but she does it own is, property? She is registered with the council, so and yeah. she does have a microchip. Oh, well, it is an official thing. Then it is an official thing, unfortunately. So, so when, think, when the council when the council come round doing their like their weekly checks of checking checking everybody's attics and basements that you haven't got any illegally hidden cats and they're like cats driving in the street the cops pulled over (laughs) (laughs) what's your name please sir uh puppy cat thomas (laughs) it's a puppy cat right here uh hold on i shit you not i have seen signs you know those vms signage boards good film on trailers they (laughs) (laughs) christ me Ah, uh, I've been derailed. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> God, this podcast free. <laughs> I have seen. Imagine right, charging I'm, people for this nonsense. <laughs> I'm going to go back. I've seen signs that literally say inspectors are conducting door-to-door checks to check registration of animals. You will be fine mm. if anything is found out. Yeah, That's that is apparently a legitimate like, okay, thing. Wait, that is it's, genuinely it's, a thing. It's quote unquote. You can't hear my my air quotes here. Um, real like legally binding name it can have that that's fine but day to day call your cat like robert no yeah. i call her i call, Don't call her, it robert I, I tend to call her poop cat at the moment um after an incident where yeah no stick with puppy cat um, <laughs> look, after an incident in which we had to give her a bath and she screamed this is a cat that doesn't know how to meow properly when she's hungry she sort of does a pathetic little at you not like sheep but Whatever. Yeah, that was a sheep. Um, yeah, that was a, that, that was a really sick sheep. <laughs> that's I know my animals. <laughs> Good job. We it wasn't, like, a, it like wasn't a chicken. The when, Mo, when Mo's like, "What sort of barnyard animal is this?" <laughs> the baby goat. <laughs> the baby goat. But no, she does like a really pathetic little meow. And then when we took her to the vet the other day just for her injections, uh, she meowed properly. I'm like, "Oh, cool. So you do know how to do it. You're not just an idiot." Um, and then we had to give her a bath a couple of days later, and she screamed. She's never made a noise like this before. It sounded like we were actually skinning her alive, the noise that she was making. She was stabbing me in the shoulders because we had to give her a bit of a bath. It was unreal. So, yeah. The the name is cat's like... I thought this is my fucking name. I thought I feel like like bad for your partner if, you're, if, you're, if you stab your partner every time you need a shower. Well, that's true. Why is she washing me? Because <laughs> well, you can't be trusted to look after yourself. Yeah, if you're, not, enough, if you're not going to do enough. it yourself, Jesse, how are you? I'll get soap in my, I don't get shampoo in my eyes. No more tears in my ass. <laughs> always, I'm always crying unrelated to shampoo. <laughs> but speaking of tears, hmm, odd segue that one. We're here to talk about a game that's uh, going to be sung at 10th birthday very, very soon. Uh, one of the biggest games of all time and a game worthy of bringing on somebody like Gaz, who I think it's one of the first games that you and I talked about. 
and it's definitely where we had our first disagreements. Yeah. Um, Not our last. Elder Scrolls Five. Skyrim. Now, Skyrim Anniversary Edition, yes, let's skip the memes of how many times this has been released. We've heard them a billion times, but it's being released again. Uh, November 11th, marking the 10th anniversary, we're getting the Skyrim Anniversary Edition for PS5, PS4, all consoles but the Switch, which is odd because mm. didn't Skyrim come out on Switch? Yeah, but it's on Switch. Yeah. It, yep. it came on Switch, but it was, it was shit. Um, to celebrate the 10th anniversary, so we'll gonna have, gonna have like a new like the creator mode, bunch of new creatures, basically a bunch of the good mods made by the community put into the game and charged. Well, so. well, Hell hang on, yeah. no, let's let's break that down for a split second because it's not just mods; it is stuff from the creation club, which are already paid mods. So if you wanted this stuff added onto your special edition version of Skyrim, you would have to pay actual money to get this content. It is just paying money for a mod. Or if you're on PC, you can just find a better version of it on Nexus mods instead. Anyway. Do that. Don't give them your money. Give me your money. I don't care what you do. But we thought to celebrate 10 years of Skyrim, let's talk about Skyrim. And it's, you know what? It's a big convoluted open world of a game so let's have a big convoluted open world of a conversation this one <laughs> and i'm just sad off from the start gaz yes how did you feel when you first started playing skyrim um skyrim skyrim takes me back to a particular time in my life and it's very it's very sort of um personal journey my journey with skyrim it was at a time where, as a youngster, as a youngster, I um, uh, I was one of those kids that ended up with a long-term girlfriend way too early. So 16 years old, first girlfriend, lasted like seven years because I didn't know how to, to, how to stop it. Um, and <laughs> it meant that a few things happened, like going to university, going travelling around the world, where not having a girlfriend gives you that extra bit of freedom to, like, not necessarily, you know, run around and kiss as many people as you can, but just that freedom, you know? You get that sense to of freedom. To run around kiss as many people as well, you can. Well, to run around and do whatever you want. If I want to bungee jump, like, I don't have to justify it or anything. Um, and anyway, so I, I felt like I missed out on a bit of that. When I was about 22, split up, and I moved to London, to the big smoke, um, on my own, uh, not on my own, with um, basically moved there to be closer to my real partner, uh, friend of this pod, Len. Um, and <laughs> that year was like the greatest year of just me being totally free. And a big part of that year was Skyrim. And it sort of represented a lot of that. And that for me, there weren't many games that I'd played like this. Like, um, I had played Oblivion, but I was kind of late to the party with Oblivion. Um, and I liked it. It was good fun. Um, but I, I just, I think I was too, I was too late. I was too late to really get into the movement, the, the Oblivion movement. And Skyrim came around and it just, the the combination of that that medieval fantasy setting the um 
the the open world nature of it and it is so vast like still to this day the the, the size of that game is huge and the way that you can control your own destiny and be whoever you want to be it was like the game was was talking to me in real life got fucked up here and i should have done the um love letters episode with gather about scar my best is all up <laughs> Scrap the mm. episode. Cut it here. That was beautiful. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so it was like it was, it was like it was cathartic. It was representative of where you were in life, and you wanted freedom, and you got it in this game. I did. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that London is also very glitchy. So, so it was, yeah, it's sort of represented that as well. Yeah, like <laughs> walking to walls and shit. Spot talking, on. talking to kind of white run guards is very much like talking to bouncers at London clubs. Um, it, it doesn't matter what you've done. Or who you are. Batman fucked a chicken, get him. <laughs> they, they are always, they're always trying to kill you with a sword. Yeah, so this, is, this is what life is like in London. Um, but yeah, I I just, I love it. It, it is my favourite game of all time. It is a deeply flawed game in many ways. But that, in a way, is kind of part of its charm as well. Um, and I won't have a bad word said about it. You're going to hate me in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Before that, Simon, how about you? What were your first impressions when you first picked up the game? The this box? was my first proper Elder Scrolls experience. This is where I got introduced to the series. Um, and I fell head over heels in love with this game. I actually remember initially creating my character because, Gaz, you were visiting at that point. Because uh, I was still living in Spain. Gaz was visiting, and, and I was like, "Make him an orc," and I was like, "No, I'm going to make myself a Nord because Nords look pretty fucking cool." Didn't realize how massively racist they are, but you know, <laughs> I wanted to go for the whole two-handed, heavy armor-wearing, like racist and orc, apparently. dude. I know orcs but, are pretty cool, man. Yeah, they are. They are absolutely. I agree, and I see that now. But you know, my 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 initial, and they look uh, like you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, we spent way too fucking long trying to make him look somewhat like me, actually. Yeah, I think we did. about it. We did. Um, and, you know, it was a really, really fun moment. And then, obviously, the whole opening intro. And it was like, you know, one of the first lines is, what in oblivion is that? And I was like, oh, wait, that I know. Hang on a second. And then Gaz was like, yeah, that's something they say. And I'm like, okay. And got really, really excited about all of this. <laughs> The other game's name <laughs> Pretty much. Well, that's the Five thing, because I didn't know how interconnected and how vast the scope of the lore for Elder Scrolls as a franchise is. I didn't know that. I was coming in entirely oh, there's, blind. There's a storm brewing, getting mighty more windy around here. Oh my god, you did it again! Don't let that dagger fall on you. Anyway, oh, uh, this scroll's pretty old. It's an elder. Poultry fine for that. But like, yeah, like that was it was my introduction to uh, the Elder Scrolls universe. I actually went fifty uh, percent on buying a secondhand Xbox off of Amazon uh, with my stepbrother because he wanted an Xbox three hundred and sixty for something else, and this was the reason I bought an Xbox three hundred and sixty was to play Skyrim. I saw the ads. I was like, oh, that looks really fucking cool. I saw the live action ad. Where like everyone in the I town that flees, was pretty cool. and it's just that one dude with the sword on his back, and he just walks up to this dragon. And like, oh man, that was so fucking. One hundred percent though. If that released today, that is for a mobile game. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. it has a big yeah, mobile game like YouTube <laughs> ad energy to it. 
Um, oh, yes. Um, but my, my comparison point for this sort of gameplay was actually RuneScape. Because I used to play RuneScape when I was a little kid. And side note, I've been playing it a fair bit this week as well. Got back into it. And I was like, oh, this again, is... Again, I ask... Uh, sorry, I ask again. What year is it in Perth? <laughs> <laughs> Old school RuneScape is surprisingly <laughs> fun, all right? Also, the fact that it's now on mobile makes it way more accessible and way more fun. Anyway. Um, and yeah, so that was my comparison point was RuneScape. I'm like, oh, this is exactly how I imagined playing RuneScape in first person would be. Like, this is exactly the sort of systems I would expect them to implement. The combat feels the way that it should. And I had such a good initial impression with Skyrim. And to this point, I still... I love the opening parts of Skyrim more than anything else. I think when you first load into the game and you're, you know, still... Like, between levels 1 and 20, and the the world feels kind of new and hostile... That's when I, I love that the most. I love that gradual progression. And that guy that you couldn't fight two minutes ago, or you've leveled up twice since then because you snuck around and shot someone in the ass with an arrow. And hey, that's enough to get you leveled up. Cool. That's how I play. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, and all of a sudden, hey, that guy's not quite as challenging anymore. And that satisfaction you get from that. I just, I love the way that progresses. Oh, you killed. How do you feel when you first fired up the old scrim? Um, I have a bit of a story to go along with this. Um, I was given Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 as a gift by one of Wrong my podcasts. That's all good stories start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. And um, it was a yeah, gift around Christmas time, something around then. Um, and I hated it. it the multiplayer <laughs> sucked. I just I couldn't get into it. So I returned it back again because he's like, here's the receipt, like, if you don't like this. And I traded it in for Skyrim instead. And I put that game into my Xbox 360 and immediately I'm like, yep, I've made the right choice. This was what I should have done from the get-go. I was a huge fan of the previous games of the franchise. But when when I played Skyrim for the first time and I opened up the map, that big 3D real-time, by the way, map. Mm. Incredible. I'd never seen anything like it before in a game um, where you, you're able to just sort of like look at the, the landscape, the terrain, everything, and zoom around and pan and like rotate and everything. And it just it blew my mind because it's such a huge world. Came out of the, I think it's a cave or something, um, after that first introduction mission. And the game is just like... Go, go, go right ahead. You can go, you can go to the town if you want, but you don't have to. And that just, uh, that fucking blew my mind. I, I was in love and that game busted my 360, my, um, my 2006 360. It red ringed around that time. I was so (laughs) devastated and I was like a poor student at the time. But believe me, that same week, I, I made it happen, Jesse. I made it happen. I went and I bought a new 360. I don't remember where I got the freaking money from, but I went and got a new 360 just so that I could keep playing that game. Do you have like a scar on either side of your torso? (laughs) (laughs) That would explain so much. Oh my God. 
Um, I remember you, we play, we were playing a game around the same time and I was seeing you every week back when it launched and we both had such very different experiences. So what about yes. you? So, okay. This game came, when I used to play a lot of PS3, PS2 games, I lived in a house that didn't have internet, basically. It was very strange. Um... Just because of kind of where we live, we had one connection and my dad always needed it for work. So when I come home from school, a lot of my mates would be going online, going to forums, talking about the new Skyrim game. And I didn't really bother. I used to read a lot of like gaming magazine stuff, but I was quite insular with how I would play my games. So I never really saw the critical response I was getting other than reviews that I read in magazines. So like professional reviews, um, which was only you know a fraction of what the reception of this game was. So I, I went into this game in a in a bit of a bubble. Before this, I had played Oblivion. I really enjoyed it. And I, I still don't know what exactly about Oblivion I in, I liked. I think it may have been the story. It was quite out there. And some of the going with, through the Oblivion gates, everything felt quite different. It felt alien. It felt like there was a genuine threat, which I always appreciated. And I remember, I mean, I loved other Bethesda games. I put, you know, 400 plus hours into Fallout 3. Absolutely adore Fallout 3. Um, Skyrim came around. And I look, I put time into it. Put 300 plus hours into it easily. When I tell people that I don't love the game, they all think that I played five hours and I quit. And it's not that type of game. You can't do it. I love, I adore parts of this game. But I remember even from the get-go, it starts and it just didn't have that punch that I wanted it to. And then when the game opened up, I'm like, okay, here's everything, but what is compelling me to go forward? What's pushing me to level up? Why am I getting stronger? Is there a goal here? I just felt like, hey, you put it out into the world, go do stuff for the sake of doing stuff. And I don't know why, that just didn't click with me. Yeah, I, and I know that it sounds kind of hypocritical. Other games, four or three, you, you leave the vault for the first time. And it has that same feeling. You can go do whatever you want. But, you know, you're sort of drawn to do the story. You're drawn to um, Megaton in Fallout 3. And the mission there is really interesting. And it has consequences. Um, and it's like, you know, a big moment in that game. Skyrim didn't. You do that opening mission, which seems pretty cool. You know, dragging you... You're, you're uh, shipped in from somewhere else. You're going to get executed. Dragon comes along, saves the day. And, you know, the dragon lands. I'm like, cool, I guess. It's not the most, like, interesting looking dragon I've seen, but I'm sure the other dragons <laughs> would be great. They're all like that. You go, you know, you go do a few of the first missions. It's like, I don't feel anything compelling me to go forward with the story. And again... You can go do all these side quests, and that's what the game's about. Because the story, the main story in this game, sucks. I You're agree. Dragon born, so somebody in your family fucked dragon at some point. You have dragon DNA or whatever. You can shout loud, good, and then you go fight a bigger dragon at the throat of the world before he eats the world or whatever it is. Okay, but side note, that- what a cool name for a mountain: the throat of the world. Yeah. Like, mm. It is cool. Come on, it is pre- it is pretty cool name. I actually from from mountain. I, I don't I don't love the name of the mountain. 
Neither do I. Wouldn't it be a volcano? Like, wouldn't it have like a hole? Yeah. Have you guys see, seen a throat? Yeah. It's not like a point. <laughs> I mean, like, it just depends on how big your Adam's apple is, really. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just an Adam's apple. Yeah. That, that's it. Should have called it Adam's apple of the world. But yeah, because... I prefer Kilimanjaro. I, I, that's a cool name. <laughs> that is a very cool name. that. Um... Mount Kosciuszko. <laughs> and that would have been easy because you don't have to jump so high. <laughs> you can get up it pretty easily. Um, yeah, because nothing compelled me to go forward and it felt like there was no threat to, you know, the world that you're in. I felt nothing compelled me. Oblivion was different because you saw these threats. They were big and they were imposing and they felt otherworldly. In this one's like, dragons are the main problem here. And a civil war that doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. you know. The, the civil war story and is going to go only go one way, really. On that very, and on the that dragons very felt like part of the, you know, part of the landscape. They're not a threat either. I'm like, what do I? What is my p- role in this world? I want to feel like a hero, but I don't feel like there's a villain. There's nothing for me to. I'm not saving the day. I'm just an everyday hero. There's no big event that I'm being involved in. But uh, just on, on the topic of the Civil War, Gaz, Stormcloaks or Imperials? Yeah, I, I know what your answer to this is, and you still you still can't justify it. Stormcloaks. No, no, just 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 answer. Stormcloaks Storm is the answer. Okay, Kills. You know, I oh, have no. zero zero interest in the Civil War storyline, and okay. I've gone with both in different playthroughs. Um, I would probably go with Imperials again. And what about you, Jesse? Stormcloaks or Imperials? Is there a fucking difference? Yes. Sort of. I'm more no, long, there isn't. I, I'm more thinking I'm along Jesse's lines. I'm team Mudcrab. But listen, honestly. Go land crabs. Uh, just, just, uh, you have to go. This is like going with the, the Rebels or the, or the Imperials. Like, the, there's no, we know who the good guys are in this story. It's it's not that simple. Welcome though. to politics no, mode. Like it's the story yeah, mode it's, political spinoff. The stormcloaks <laughs> are so freaking racist and insular, xenophobic, and like just yeah. it's people. their country. It's theirs. Yeah, everyone else should get out of it. <laughs> oh no! Hey, I'm coming gone. from the other yeah, Englishman. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm so scared now. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, look, I'm not gonna give away too much but um gaz and i may have originally been recruited for a completely different mission <laughs> which is why we came to opposite ends of australia yeah <laughs> um, oh my God. <laughs> yeah but no, no, you, you've got to go i i don't know i just I, th- I think you know the imperials represent decadence and um like organization and the stormcloaks just feel like that 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 rebellion, you know, they are the, they're holding out against the the imperial invaders. Can but I twist this is, question a little bit? Wait, so can, I, can I twist this question? Go for this it. Question a bit of a skew. The way you guys are arguing about it is something I can't I can't really you know, put my two cents in because none of it mattered in the game. I didn't feel like anything compelled me to. It, this feels like some, one of those arguments that became a thing of like forums or social media mm. people were adding their own lore and backstory to it and became that's the argument is but do you feel like in the game itself i forgot there was a civil war yeah until i started by you know, playing through it again this it absolutely wasn't matter it wasn't it wasn't no it wasn't but, a major part like, for me there's either. so many cool things and we're gonna get there, there is a part of this game there is like a, a run aside quest which is just 
infinitely cool should have been the whole game okay dark brotherhood mm. so damn cool and that has moments at the end which is like i feel like that should be a play a very very large part of the story but it doesn't it was inconsequential there is i feel like this is a civil war like Jesse, the, this the is like when is, they introduce fucking trade blockades into Phantom Menace. Fuck off with the politics and give me more, you know, double-ended lightsabers. The thing is, Jesse, there is so much lore and backstory to all of this. They are like yeah. books, yes. books upon books upon books that you can read. All of it optional, and all of it stuff. If you don't actually actively go and engage with it, you will and never it, find yeah. out about it. That's the, the case there. with so many, so many elements mm. of Skyrim as a whole and its law and the world that it builds. Like the law is there, but the actual consequence of that law and the consequence of choices and the war itself seem rather non-existent. Yeah, I think, look, I think I think this is I think Skyrim is the I guess what I would consider the tipping point for Bethesda games, wherein consequences to your actions no longer really exist. Uh, like say they're all been downhill from then. Well, like, oh, without being funny, much. like kind of, yeah. Like in in Morrowind, if you killed an essential character to a storyline, it would then say, "Hey, the thread of fate has been severed. You can still continue the game, but it does mean that you won't be able to continue on with you know whatever your destiny may be or whatever." It lets you make that choice, and then tells you, "Hey, look, you fucked up, but if you want to carry on playing, then go for it." Whereas in Skyrim, you don't get that option, regardless of which side of the Civil War you take or uh, how you decide to treat the Dark Brotherhood or the Thieves Guild or whatever. There are people you cannot kill. It doesn't let you kill. And when you kill them, they just fall onto their knees for a good five minutes whilst you're still sat there with your two-handed warhammer just bashing their head in on repeat. And you're like, why have you not died? Why have I not turned your brains into mush? Strong neck. <laughs> Very strong. Uh, never skip neck day. Never skip neck day. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm always saying. Uh, but, you know, like That's it, how you get a throat of the world. Fair. <laughs> All right, I'll give you that one. Um, but, you know, like it's, it's one of those things that, like, that is where I think the standard was set. Because they're like, look, there's so many times in the optional quests and some of the radiant quests where you do get those chances to make a decision which has an impact on that one quest but in the grand scope of the game it isn't a huge deal because the game itself is so big and it would be hard from a development point of view to really make those consequences be felt like if you decided to side with the stormcloaks does that mean that all the price because it's harder for you know uh, merchants to get their goods in does that mean that the oh price? Oh God! Of- we're going to talk, start talking about Brexit. No. Oh Christ! <laughs> Is this Stexit? <laughs> no, we won't, we won't. We won't start on that. Um, but like you know, like that could be a hypothetical little thing that they could do, which is, hey, look, you sided with the Stormcloaks. It's harder for the uh, merchants to get their goods in, so the price of things goes up. Yeah. That would be cool, but that's so hard to implement because you've then got to reprogram the average cost for every item in the game that could potentially be held by a vendor. And then what about the fences? If you decide, like, when you go with a, uh, nah, with you the, just put extra ten percent on everything or whatever. That's easy. I don't think like like stuff like that wouldn't matter. But could you okay think of the events of the game? Now think of you as the hero, not being involved in them. Would much change, really? 
I mean, yes, there is a, Jesse. The, okay, there is those, a lot. <laughs> those fucking siege missions, which sucked balls, they oh, would yeah. never have happened if you were they not involved have, in that. Yeah, but they didn't have to. Like, they, they are not like world altering things. That war would have continued with with or without no, you. Because it was ended with or without you. The dragons again. Was this actual dragon going to swallow the earth? Because he's yes. big, but he's not that big. The world's pretty big. No, so I'll, I'll, this- I'll say it here first, Gaz. Gaz, you know about geography. Yeah. Can you confirm that world big? Relatively it depends. Relatively, I'll take that. I'll take it depends. It's bigger, bigger than a hat. <laughs> Okay. Smaller than the how sun. Big, how big is a hat? Uh, thank you. Well, there for, you go. All right, this okay. is coming from Here's Mr. Geography statements. <laughs> Here's a question for you guys. Do you think Skyrim was too big? No. No, I do not. Why's that? Well, so here's the thing, right? Just going back a step. You've Your major con- bone of contention is with the, the sort of the main storyline. Well... Fantastic news for you. You don't even need to play the main storyline. Um, go and enjoy yourself in this gigantic world and you've got so many options to to take your character wherever you want. And I'll tell you what as well, once you've finished doing the fantastic Dark Brotherhood uh, oh, quest line, oh God. once you've finished with that, give something else a crack. Have a go at... at Doing the Thieves Guild or, or the, the Mages Guild or companions. Like, it's companions. Yeah, well, you get your companions. You know, you get your thieves stats all up. So I, I am going to be just a voice of contention with everything here. Mm-hmm. Again, I actually quite like the game, but I want to be a dick. <laughs> you get your thieves, you know, you level up your thieves skills and you, you know, your stealth and blah, blah, blah. But to what end? Because this is this, one of the things is. Nothing towards the end game, and I'm talking not just end game of main story, but also, you know, your level 100 and anything. Nothing changes. Mm-hmm. Jesse, there's no like, there's a very limited amount of enemies, and when you get to the point where you're just kind of like killing giants and stuff, it's like, okay, I've sort of capped what I'm doing here, and it yep. doesn't take that long to get to that point. I find mm. it's a really I think Jesse, it does take a while. Mm. It, yeah, I I found that you're a scrub, mate. I had a hard a, king of games here. A harder host time of podcast <laughs> playing the game by trying not to do the generic stealth archer build. Um, so when I when I steered yeah, yeah, away yeah, from yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. it it became more <laughs> engaging because I actually had to think about what I was doing and the enemies that I was taking on. Um. Jesse, you mentioned something really interesting earlier that I wanted to flag. You said you're just another hero or something something along those lines. But you're not. No. You're not. You're like a messianic figure, man. You're like the dude. You're the hero. The, you're the biggest ball. hero possible, you know. And I think that's part of the problem because um, if, we, if we go back to... Um, Elder Scrolls 3, you're literally Jesus. You play literally fucking Jesus. And you come back from the dead and you fucking save the world and everybody's happy. It's great. Been there. But then in (laughs) Elder Scrolls 4, you're just a dude. You're just a person. The hero of the story is someone else. And that's what makes that story, that main story, interesting and compelling. You're talking about uh, like the ever-present threats and stuff. Yes, there's that there as well. You can s- physically see those oblivion gates open. Whereas in Skyrim, the occasional dragon will fly over you. 
not quite as threatening as like it, it feels like it's meant to be there. Yeah, yeah. I know. It, I it, do know what you mean about oblivion and that, like going to oblivion and the the Daedra and stuff. That's yeah. that's fucking cool. That that is amazing. That is like yeah, some sort of level of Dante's Inferno. Like it's it, like it's yeah. the. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. I do love that element, and I was and I and I miss that in Skyrim. And I know what you mean. Yeah, it's um, not present. Oh, I'm chipping away at this. But, well, <laughs> no, but no, 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 no. Oh, hold on. No, yeah, because <laughs> we the <laughs> thing the thing with Skyrim as a whole is that everybody who loves it can acknowledge the flaws, and yeah. I think that regardless of those flaws, it is still one of the single most compelling oh, yeah. adventures you could ever go on. So That's far it, as Simon. video games are concerned. You and nailed it. Like, don't get me wrong, there are there are flaws out of the arse of this thing. Like the amount of bugs oh, yeah, we'll on them, yeah. like the PS3 version in particular are insane. But you have fun with all of it. And there there's like Kiels, you were talking about like the whole stealth archer build. And, you know, that's sort of it's a very common trope. Everyone sort of pokes a bit of fun at it. But what's really fun, in my opinion, is you go in there, head to toe in heavy armor, wielding a massive two handed sword. You get swarmed by a whole bunch of enemies. You just shout in their face, set them all on fire, and cleave them all in half with your massive sword. And that feels awesome the combat while very simple and pretty straightforward feels very Bethesda feels very visceral at the same time the sound effects sound great as you just go through people there's that one guy who had his shield up so you have like this one-on-one fight with him and then you activate the kill cam and you chop his head off and then some of the other bandits start fleeing and running away to the hills because you are just this god that has walked in set everyone on fire just through your voice and then cleaved all of them in half. You yeah. are to be feared. You are a powerhouse. And so you should be the fucking villain awesome. of the game then. I'm I, I'm scarier than this fucking dragon who lives up on the neck of the mountain or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> okay, the he lives up there. <laughs> oh, what makes him so special? Oh, he's a little bit bigger. That's it. No, because... That's it. Apparently, he could dislocate his jaw and swallow the earth. That's no, all I've heard about this guy. So with with Alduin, with Alduin he Fuck basically off. no he can manipulate time and space and essentially I mean there was a period of time in the history of you know the Elder Scrolls universe where men and elves were subjugated under the dragons they were slaves to dragon kind and dragons ruled everything and Alduin was would essentially just eat people constantly to keep keep himself around keep himself strong and powerful and in charge and it'll be one of those things you don't dare fight against your suppressors because he will literally eat you and if you get eaten by alduin you don't just go into the afterlife you are gone from existence you do not exist anymore everything about you is gone everyone who's ever known you doesn't know who you are anymore everything you've ever touched no longer matters it's gone that's why he, he is a huge existential threat in the very literal never, sense. That never comes to anything, though. Like, again, that's all just from the lore that you read in books and stories that are told. You never actually see that consequence happen. And, Keelan, you brought up the whole thing about 
you know, the player being a dragonborn. So you're basically, you know, a god in this game. You, you're a Christ-like figure. But because the existential threat over the land isn't that much of a threat, it's a threat more in theory than in practice, your connection to it doesn't seem all that important. Like, honestly, did anyone give a flying fuck about the storyline in this game? No. You go and do other stuff because it just, it wasn't compelling. So therefore, like, you're connection to that so I, I i just didn't click with me i'm just like i don't so i guess care. the I question then when Jesse. i first played the game i didn't even find shouts because i'm like all right <laughs> yeah. i shout out somebody's on fire okay i could use spells to do that yeah, yeah. There, there is a weird emphasis on the shouts it's like you must find these shouts it's like oh, well i'm i am a stealthy archer it's not necessarily what I want. Um, but there should be like a stealth shout. Like yeah, a whistle. Yeah. They, no, they do. There's several. <laughs> Fall over the, and die. You're on fire now. Um, no, but, no, but there's actually <laughs> one which is throw voice. So you shout, but it's a whisper and it sounds like you can, wherever your aim oh, yeah, is, essentially. And it's, it's a distraction. And so you can shout into like another room and all the enemies will congregate and be like, what the fuck was that? And then yeah. you can, I don't know, blow them can up I, with your arrows. Can I just go back to. Jesse's last point, which sums up why you're wrong about this game. I, I feel like I, I've been putting a massive time on back this whole conversation. Because you said, "Go on." You said, D- "Did anybody care about the storyline?" No, not really. That's not why you play Skyrim. That's not why nope. you play this game. You play the game to 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 become whatever you want to be. That's the whole point there is a main storyline yes you can complete it you could do nothing I want to become else like a baker or a farmer you can do that that's do that. fine yeah. you can absolutely you can do, do that. that that's why it's great <laughs> need more farming that's mechanics what i love get the right mods for it i love the idea of that just somebody deciding that they're just going to set up like a little shop have their their adopted kids and a dog and a house and just do that you can no problem that's that's why it's in that's the beauty of the game. That's it. And you're right. There is a problem here. Have you seen the kids in this game? Terrifying. Little I mean, children yeah, of the are. corn, motherfuckers. Yeah, well, you wanted, you, you wanted more Oblivion stuff. They're clearly straight from the, from Oblivion. That's so. a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> so, let's, move on, let's move on from the story itself. Keelan, I know you you have a bit of a keen eye for like the technical aspects of this game. When you played the game, was there anything that really stood out for you for the time or even today? Um, like I mentioned earlier, that map was really something special to me. Like I'd never seen anything like that. I spent you spend a lot of time looking at maps in big open world games, right? Um, and seeing that map operating in real time was freaking spectacular. But more so over that, Jesse. When um, I'm gonna go back to that moment where you kind of leave the cave and you're free to sort of go. When you load that up first on like your Xbox 360. Like, dude, I'd never seen anything of that scale before where things were that detailed. And you're walking through this, like, lush meadow. There are trees. There's a stream next to it. There's a few, like, foxes scurrying along the path or something like that. Like, you feel like you're in a different place and you are legitimately going off on an adventure. It feels... it. It's a game that manages through its visual design, its art style, and through technical prowess as well to transport you as a player if you allow yourself to be. Um, there's not a lot of games that like really hit the, that mark where you just feel like I can get lost in this environment. Breath of the Wild is another one that does that in like an yeah. exquisite way, better than Skyrim, I think, because a lot of lessons from Skyrim were learnt by the the Breath of the Wild development teams. But 
that is a game it's on so many levels like a technical level as well as an artistic level where it it hit notes that not many games had hit before can't get enough of it even today i have much as it's become a bit of a meme to bag out skyrim's like you know graphics and its bugs and stuff like that the world itself there are moments in that world that are genuinely stunning yeah um mm. at the time blew me away um and even i think you know firing up again and just looking at the before i even start putting mods on it just a special edition version i'm like this is a this is good. This is pretty. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Skyrim's beauty doesn't come from the character models or a lot of like you sort of static. It does not. <laughs> no. Um, or like <laughs> some of the static mesh things like ropes on things and stuff like that and the houses, whatever. It comes from the environment itself. It feels like there is a true wilderness to this place where you go through a dungeon and you come out the other side of this mountain and you are looking over this valley and you can see trees and the stream flowing through the valley and you're like i wonder what's down there and so you awkwardly hop down the side of a mountain and find yourself lost in this area and all of a sudden there's a bandit camp that come out and attack you and you're like okay this this feels like it belongs it feels like there should be this stuff here and you carry yes. on further down the river and you find like a, a fisherman's hut or you find a poacher's little encampment and you can trade with these people. You can just chat to them and be like, hey, what you got for sale? And the poacher's like, hey, you can't, the the, the yarl can't have every rabbit in this hold. You're like, yeah, fair point. What have you got for sale? <laughs> and, yeah. You know, get some deer hide or something. And you're like, cool. That was fun. And then you murder him and steal the rest of his gold and run away. Whoa, cool. Hell. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> No, I was uh, I was a very conscientious player. I once accidentally killed a fox, and I was almost in tears. <laughs> you know, I, I could have, I could imagine you like playing it. You kill somebody in the game. You lock yourself in the room because you think the cops are going to come after you or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always I mean, took a like, ten minute break. That's that's something about the game where I feel like um, you felt bad about the fox, right? Guess like. I had a playthrough where um, you get down to Riverwood, that little town, and you go to the uh, the blacksmith and he takes you in. And he allows you to eat food from his table and yeah. spend the night there or whatever. He looks after you, right? Yeah. Um, I had a playthrough where a dragon Oops. landed in the middle of Riverwood and it burnt that motherfucker to a crisp. <laughs> it killed <laughs> the dude. It was really, oh really bad. I felt bad already when that happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, shit, man, this guy was really nice to me. And now he's just laying there like no one's moving his body. This is really awkward. But what made it worse is because in Skyrim, there are so many like little things that only get unlocked in certain sets of circumstances. There's dialogue. There are sequences that only happen when a, a certain series of events is triggered. And one of them is if Alva, the blacksmith, dies, his wife comes out and she just in passing says to you, I miss him so much. I miss <laughs> how he used to interact with our daughter. And uh, that's it. Shit. It's just sad that our husband is dead. And that made Come me up. feel like that is a real world that I am mm. inside of. Fuck. When I fired up, uh, I played the special edition on, on the um, Xbox. So I got all the, the mod packs and stuff that, that I could. Just, you know, a few graphical ones. The weather mod was really nice. I had a storm playing before and it was, it was good. 
Um, also, this is a part of the podcast where all the, I, I start talking very fondly about Skyrim. I got my hate out of the way already, okay? Um, there's a mod where you can execute people by ripping out their heart. So, no, I am not playing with any, with uh, I'm not playing with my own heart right now. <laughs> I'm playing with other people's. You've stolen I, someone else's and strapped it to you. I've forehead. hacked through towns already. It's, it's dark. I'm a very, very angry lizard. Yeah. Um, that blacksmith a good time, but didn't didn't get the up, chance to take you in, did he? No, well, he, he, you go, I went in there and he's like, um, you know, whatever you need, you you can take. So I took the cabbage off his plate that he was eating. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> so I more disrespect to him. I, he, I've let him live, but I've, I've very much disrespected him and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, Keelan, you bring up something which I think is the key part of Skyrim and what makes the fun moments fun. The random encounters. Just random shit that happened. I feel like this was the first game I ever played where that was a real big thing, where I was talking to people at school about it and they were having very different, uh, you know, moments to, to me. Keelan and I, back when we used to be in a band together at band practice, we would talk about these weird things that would happen. Like, I, I didn't know that dragons could just land sometimes. Because <laughs> you do your first few um, story missions and you have these premeditated, predetermined moments where the dragon comes. It's like, cool. So I thought that they would be like mission encounters. And I just remember walking like through massive paddock because a lot of this game is open field and seeing that shadow overhead. I'm like, did I, did I trigger a mission? And I was getting flashbacks of playing Fallout 3 when that UFO blew up over me. And it's like, a, it's like a really random encounter where there's a UFO that you've never seen before. You didn't even know UFOs were in this, coded into this goddamn game. And suddenly there's one with a flame, like a tail of fire and smoke coming in the back of it, crashing it. And you're like, I'm going over there. I'm going to see what you get. You get the laser gun, blah, blah, blah. But having flashbacks to that, I was like, is this like a super rare encounter? Like, is this like the one random dragon that's, all, like that, that's in this game and I found it somehow? Anyway, it killed me. Um, but then whenever that type of shit would happen further in the game, like a dragon would land next to some giants and you just kick back. It's like, okay, didn't know this could happen. You'd be walking around. Suddenly a bandit comes flying across the screen because a mammoth just went, get the fuck out of here to it. (laughs) That stuff is fun. And it also Mm -hmm. helps you build up, um, rivalries. I found. So playing at the moment, my first play, my kind of my my first playthrough in nine years there was a um a bard near a river really early on the game very much much to higher level for me i thought i tried to fight obviously he killed me so then i tried again and before i went there i would kill a few other people get some other weapons get a shield and i'm like he's still higher level than me but you know as you do in these sort of games, you can sort of cheese a few early wins and get a weapon that's far too powerful for where you're at. Mm-hmm. You can make the game a little bit easier for a little bit. Kept chipping away at him. Can't find him. I then looked him up online to find out where he where he hangs out. He's one of these wanderers that can spawn in 30 different points in the map. So I'm patrolling those 30 points at the moment. <laughs> and I'm going to hunt him down. <laughs> But I love shit like that. Like I even well, like two hundred hours into my to my first play um, back in the day, finding the headless horse horseman for the yeah. first time, like that ghost, and you just like, oh, that's the point. And we'll get to enemies soon, 
but I was, I was sick of the enemies in the game because I've I've played them all and then like I don't know, I've defeated them all and there's not much at, after a certain point. Um, like is this like a new sort of enemy? Like is this like a late game enemy that I haven't found before? And you find it, you find the backstory and stuff like that. That was cool. I like these these little curated moments um, along with the random encounters. There's uh, with any. Uh, I was going to say, like, there, there's a thing, um, like a self-imposed challenge I tend to do. Because the first time I played through Skyrim, I would just fast travel to the closest point I could and then walk to my objective and, oh yeah, cool, a couple of random encounters. And then I looked on Reddit and people are talking about all of these other weird and wonderful and like exciting ones that they came across. And I'm like, why am I only getting like a fraction of these? And it was because I was fast traveling everywhere. And if you rem- if you put that restriction in place for yourself and you don't, you, you try your best to not fast travel too much. Like, I'd still do it occasionally if I'm like, I've got to get to the other side of the fucking map. I'm not just going to walk there. But if you, you know, try and do this. Like, I, uh, <laughs> currently on my playthrough, I need to go to just outside of um, Whiterun. And I'm currently in um, Solitude. And I'm just walking down and through. And so far already, I've come across three different random encounters that I've never seen before in my life. I found a new follower that I didn't know even existed in this game because there was a haunted tower, essentially, and she is standing out the front of the tower, and I'm like, hello, what's going on with you? And she's like, ah, I'm part of a Hagraven cult, but my mum's about to try and turn herself into a Hagraven, and I can't let her do it. Will you team up with me? Hagraven cult is a a sick band band name. It is. Hagraven cult (laughs) would be mad. But like, and she's like a thrash metal band. Wow, beautiful. And she's like, I I can't let my mum go through this through with this. Will you help me take down everyone? And you go, yeah, sure. And so she partners up with you, and you go all the way through this tower until the last door, and you know that she's going to be there. And this girl turns to you, and she's like, "This is it. Play along with what I'm going to." tell you and when the time comes we'll take it down together and you go into the room and she's like oh my dearest daughter it's so good to see you how have you been she's like yes good mother i have found a willing sacrifice for the for the ritual and it's like i remember that and it's like oh god i didn't know that this was a thing what the fuck? And then you sit down in this chair and the, the woman comes up to you and is like, don't worry, darling, this won't hurt a bit. And then you see her own daughter just stab her in the back. And you're like, mm. oh, that was cool. And then afterwards- like, This is worse than a talking dog. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you're like after a little bit of a fight with the mum, if she's still alive, and you're like, are you okay? And she's like, I, I guess. Like, I, I did what had to be done. And I don't feel good about it, but- I know I did what was right. And you're like, cool. Do you want to come with me and adventure through the rest of this fucking like, country? And she's like, yeah, right. I've got nothing else to do. Like, I sweet. yell at strangers. Come with. Yeah, pretty much. And she is a fucking powerful companion. Like, she is strong. Like, we'll walk into an area and there'll be three or four, like, pretty strong mages of various types. And she will just decimate them. She just summons like a frost atronach, and they just, the frost atronach just punches them, sends a couple of them ragdolling, and then she just like firing out ice spikes the whole time. It's just awesome. Well, I Before didn't know that was in the game. <laughs> discussing the enemies a bit, um, Gaz and Kills. How about you guys? Random encounters. With it, do you have any you know strong memories of of, of any um, random encounters? Oh. Just moments that came to pass. Now you mentioned the, you mentioned the the dog that kind of thing, but. 
Um, Dogs so weird. Yeah, I think like the thing that'll always stick with me is the first time encountering a, a giant and um, the, <laughs> the like first a time giant you went into the. <laughs> yeah, I went into the camp and I'm like, oh, this should be fine. Oh, this cheese here. This How far nice. did your body go flying? <laughs> I was about to say, did you did you enter Whew. the space program? <laughs> it's a, it's a, I love my lesson. Cheese here. It's a big wheel. <laughs> I, so I, I, I've got to, I've got to explain. Human sized. <laughs> I, I have to explain what happened. So when you go into White Run, there is this just beautiful woman there who just really wants to start her own business. But in order to start her own. Yes, exactly. And in order to start our own business, she needs a mammoth tusk. I don't know why, but she needs it. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, dude, yeah, I'm going to marry this girl. Like, I'm going to go and find this mammoth tusk for her. I'm going to get it for her. Sorry, can I, can, I, can I just pause there for a second? What got me just then, it seems like this absolute, just absolute beautiful woman. Just like really genuine the Jessie, way you said that. You know what? And the way that Simon's like, yeah, no, nah, I know her. You both <laughs> knew the same thing. Which character okay. you're talking about? Well, because yes, you're like, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a specific side quest. It's like very yeah, it's, particular. So, And mm. it's it's one of the first interactions you have with a, um, with, a with someone like that in, uh, in Whiterun. Like as soon as you get into the city yep. and you get into the market space, she's one of the first Simon people that say, will talk to you. And so you're like, when he's okay. like somebody like that, he means hot. It, and like, it's one of the first, like, <laughs> um, find her. <laughs> they are romanceable characters who you can like marry and stuff. She's one of the first ones that you encounter. If you presumably yeah. you go through the main story route. Um, anyway, so I'm like, dude, where the fuck do I find a mammoth tusk? So I went out wandering across the plains of Whiterun, you know, looking for things, came across that uh, giant encampment, saw a mammoth. Oh, yeah, I'll be able to find a mammoth tusk here. No worries. Found some cheese, got shot to the moon. Mm. It was great. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. The, the giants are an enemy I wish there were more of, but I also like how they just kind of mind their own business with the mm. mammoths. You oh, can, yeah. You can go really close to them and they're just like doing their shit. They're not yeah. enemies. Don't, don't they just him. inhabit the world alongside like passive, you. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, again, before we get to the enemies, Gaz... Were there any sort of random-ish moments in the game that's so I I fulfil the uh, the trope. I always play these games as as a sneaky archer, and um, I don't know. There probably one of my favourite memories is totally just in between in between quests, um, wandering across. I don't even know where. And coming across this like sort of bridge, tower bridge thing across a little a little river, and everybody in this tower bridge was sort of on patrol, and they were they were enemies, and it was at a point where I'd got my archery up pretty high as well, so I could do the uh, I could do the slow slow um, slow time, I could zoom in and. Uh, it was i was basically one shot kills and just this random like bunch of dickhead camp that i stumbled across and just managed to pick every single one of them off one by one it was so glorious and it just and it and and this is this is the point it wasn't anything to do with anything that i was supposed to be doing in that game um it was just because i was some badass archer 
who could. Uh, and, and I just, just did it and took them all out one by one. And then I was standing at the top of the bridge and more of these little angry uh, wild folk came running running towards me. But I obviously had the height advantage now as well. So I'm just <laughs> looking down, firing off all these arrows at all these angry people and they're dying immediately because my arrows are stronger than theirs. Um, I heard a glee in your voice. They're talking about mowing down. I've got to say, that's yeah. some Stormcloak talk right there. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I've, never, I've never hidden my allegiances. <laughs> <laughs> These wild people, my arrows are stronger than theirs. Oh my goodness! Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I was always, I was a, always a wood elf, though. So you know, like, you can't accuse a wood elf of being racist, can you? You can. Yeah, I mean, if they're part <laughs> of the old Mary Dominion, yes, you absolutely fucking can. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay. Now, so th- this is going back to something that did actually start to disappoint me towards the end. The enemies in the game. Did anyone else find them? Sort of limiting. Yes. You know, you have your bandits. You you had like maybe 10 different types of enemies. And there were some interesting ones I, I wish I saw more. It reminds me of when you play Breath of the Wild, which I guess is is definitely a game that wouldn't exist the way it does if it wasn't for Skyrim. Like mm. the gaming landscape is so heavily influenced by Skyrim that without it, it would be shit. Shitter, I guess, for some people. Um, Simon, you know, what are those weird wormy dudes in the desert? Starts with M. Uh, the Moldugas? Yes. They're really cool. And I wish every area had its own specific creature, but it really seemed like it was only the desert that had them. And they, they felt different. Like, you'd go there to have a bit of a, a real fight. Fight in Skyrim, there was only... Those big seals? Oh, the Hawkers? <laughs> the Hawkers. Yeah, they're cool, but it was like... Why are there more of them? It took me so long to find my first one. And when I saw them, I'm like... It, I thought it was one of the centaurs from, like, Fallout. Like, what is this, like, fleshy mass? But, you, you know, you take... You got them. You have some different, like, forest creatures, you know, made of sticks and magic. Good for them. Giants and mammoths. Cool. And then bandits, knights, warlocks, mages. Buh. And dragons. You wow. Elves. Falma. Elves. Uh, all Dwemer creations as well. Which, Dwemer. which Dwemer. were oh. the which were awesome. I loved them. I loved Falma. the designs. Yeah. And fighting them was interesting too. I loved their designs were yeah, so sick. goddamn interesting. Yeah. I the remember Centurions going were into a such a pain in the ass. Like yeah. I remember I remember the first yeah. time I went into yeah, a, into a dwarven ruin and the sphere came out and i'm like oh man this guy's pretty tough like it took quite a quite a few hits with my i don't know probably steel sword at that point oh man that took quite a few hits that was that was a bit of a challenge and then i got to the entrance of like the next area and this hulking dwarven centurion just climbs out of its hole and i'm like oh yeah. fuck you think it's a statue <laughs> the, and then it starts yeah. moving you're like shit yeah. Yeah, Uh-oh. I think it's a like, statue. There's a there's a lever next to it, and I'm like, oh yeah, it must be for the closed gate that's right behind it. <laughs> I was wrong. I was so wrong. I actually wrong. was going to bring up the Centurions because I think they're the coolest enemies in the game because they, they have are. a very unique design. They feel threatening. They're these hulking figures. I, I kind of wish that each so they're sort of the cool enemy of the underground areas. I wish each area sort of had like its 
you know, pseudo boss kind of characters well, like that, like your giants. I feel like that's the game was really missing between. I think there were a lot of just like cannon fodder, and then a few harder ones. There, yeah, I was going to say. I think there's a few harder ones that you're not maybe giving enough credit to. Like for example, the sprigans that you mentioned earlier, the the sticks that are kept alive with magic. They are guardians of a foresty area, particularly in the southern regions of Skyrim, and they are kind of mini bosses because early levels they hurt and they hurt a lot. Yeah. The other, I guess, sort of bossy area would be in certain colder areas, you'd either have the Ice Wraiths or the Frost Trolls. Frost and everyone Wraith knows Wraith about Frost that one Trolls. fucking Frost Troll. Yeah, that one end. fucking Frost Troll. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, because it's like the second main quest, and you're going yeah. up to High Hrothgar, and this giant fucking Frost Troll just comes down and turns you into a fucking pancake with its fists, and there's nothing you can do about it. No. Ah, <laughs> oh, like... That was hard. And then I think the first time I got past him, I just had to run away because I just couldn't beat him. It works, though. Yeah. I feel like that's sort of an issue with with this game. Like you said, early on in the game, these enemies are really, really hard. But this isn't a game that you play 10 hours off. It's not a game you play 30 hours off. You're going to play it for 100-plus. I think most, you know, a lot of people did. It was sort of designed for that. But you get to a certain point and a certain level across, you know, your different um, specialities where these enemies become relatively easy to kill. And then there's just, you know, at that point, you'll say 35 hours in. And when they come relatively easy, you still have, if you want to be a completionist, you have hundreds of hours ahead of you. And then the combat becomes just... Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a I'm tip. I'm too strong here. The, game, the, the, the world doesn't sort of keep up with you. I turn, feel like you get really far ahead of the other enemies in the game. Turn the difficulty up, man. <laughs> no, I'm a coward. No, but, even, but even then, I want different types of enemies because yeah, they're yes. all going to fight in the same way. Like, okay, you turn the difficulty up and they're going to deal out more damage and I'm going to... Um, and they're going to take more hits to kill. Cool, but are they fighting in a different way? No. Are they, do they represent something cool? Like, even visually, do I feel like this is different? Like you said with the um, Centurions... You felt threatened by them. You felt like oh, it's, they were awesome. Um, same with the giants. You don't get that feeling again from any other any characters. And again, I found the dra- the the dragon designs quite boring. They were very traditional. I would have liked to have seen something a bit different there, or even seen like other creatures that would have you know kind of been able to fight dragons. You know, something and other creatures of that sort of ilk. Well, where you see other uh, like other standard dragons fight them, and it's like okay, it's a bit of, pretty close, and then Aljuin comes in and just like eats one on one bites. Like, okay, cool, that's higher. You're dangerous because you're killing the things that I can't with ease. Now you suddenly feel like a threat. You're not just some old man, big dragon on top of a your throat or whatever you're doing. Um, I hate I hate Aljuin, man. He <laughs> sucks. There's enemy of the show. I think there's um there's a certain uh what threshold where I think it's around the level fifty mark. Um, where going into a crypt or a tomb and, you know, you're fighting your standard Drogos you're used to, you're mowing through them, and there is, there's a couple that I've come across where you fight a Drogo Deathlord and they have, they change the way they fight and they are different because normally, oh yeah, Drogo Deathlord, that's fine. It's like three hits from my axe, not a problem. But then this guy starts chucking spells at you that take 50% of your health in two hits, and you're like, what the fuck just happened? Like, I'm used to mowing this guy down, and now I'm actually having to use my stockpile of health potions to just not be mm. immediately eviscerated. Jeez, and wheels. There's, 
<laughs> yeah, all, all the cheese wheels. <laughs> I, I, I always love that idea. Like you're you're like being hit, and you suddenly just stop times like a fireball like in your face. You're like hold up a moment. You can't like look at the camera and be like, I bet you're wondering how I ended up here. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, eating cheese wheels and salmon and stuff like that, and then you still get hit in the face. Yeah. Um. Okay. Can we all agree that the best part of this game is the Dark Brotherhood mission? Oh, by far. It's spectacular, Ooh. but it's not the best part of the game. Okay. I think we need to discuss it. Because yeah, to let's, me, let's discuss. It, it was insane. Um, Simon, give us a wrap up. For those who don't know, what are the Dark Brotherhood missions? Uh, okay, so condensed version is you... Well, how do you, how do you trigger them at least? So uh, very early on in the game, you actually can talk to an innkeeper or even a shopkeeper and hear rumours of a uh, boy called Aventus Arantino in Windhelm who mm. is performing little shit the black sacrament and you're like what the hell is that so you ask uh you ask the innkeeper and they're like oh it's some like forbidden ritual apparently supposed to summon the dark brotherhood and then you can go there and you talk to the boy and he's like ah it's you you're one of the dark brotherhood and you're like okay sure and he's like oh cool i need you to kill this person and you go all right sure whatever No skin off my back. So you go and you kill. She's like the headmistress of this orphanage. And she is a real bitch as well. Yeah, I feel Um, feel like you're underselling this. She's terrible. She is horrible. You've got to go to like a whole different town as well to kill her. So I don't understand why this boy wants you to kill her. But anyway. Well, because his parents died because of the war, so he was taken to the orphanage even though he still had his family home. And after, I think it was about a year or so of living there, he escaped, ran back to his family home and started performing the Black Sacrament. So the skeleton that he's doing the Black Sacrament on is actually his mum's dead body, um, which is a really grim thought. And uh, yeah. Yeah, appropriate for the Dark Brotherhood. Um, And so, yeah, like you you go back to this orphanage in Riften and as you enter, you hear the headmistress of this orphanage telling every single child how much of a piece of shit they are, how they're the scum of the earth and how no one's ever going to love them and how they're absolute bastards and a waste of her time and her effort and energy and they should be grateful (laughs) that she is even (laughs) pretending to give them a roof over their heads. And... I personally, when I absolute saint, when I walked in on this, I was just like, "Wow, that's rude!" Cut her head off, and all the children are like, "Yay, yay!" <laughs> and this other NPC, it's a very like, Monty Python sort of, "Yay!" <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. Yay! <laughs> and then this other character, uh, Constance Michelle or something like that, is like, "Oh my God, no! I'm going to be next!" And it's like, "No, you're nice. I don't care. The contract wasn't for you. The contract was for this bitch." see ya (laughs) and you go back and he's like oh thank you you know here's his family heirloom it's all i've got but it will sell for a decent amount of money and a couple days later uh the courier comes running up to you and he's like i've got something to deliver for you wouldn't say who it was and you open it and it's just (laughs) from the devil (laughs) well it's just a handprint and the word saying we know on it the next Mm. time your character goes to sleep you get abducted in your sleep and you wake up in this dark shed and this character is sat on top of a bookshelf menacingly whilst this one single lamp is swinging back and forth and she's like heard about what you did that wasn't for you to do that was for us you owe us a kill 
So, real quickly, gone. You say she was sitting on top of this bookshelf menacingly. If you woke up seconds earlier, it would have been her climbing up <laughs> to the bookshelf. <laughs> it would have been the like least menacing thing in the world. No, I like. I like. Mm. I like to imagine that when they kidnapped you. They know, like you. You've been asleep for hours. She's actually been sat there for like twelve hours, and she's yeah. like, "Can you just wake the fuck up? My I leg need, is dead. I'm hungry. I've really got to pee. <laughs> Please, Get I up. just Get need up. to pee." <laughs> and then, yeah, you wake up, and she's like, "Well, you owe us a kill. Someone here is guilty of this crime. You need to find out which one and kill whichever one you think is guilty. You don't find out which one is actually the guilty party." It's not the best court. <laughs> but like, this isn't how it doesn't decisions matter. should be made. Uh, the way the way I do it is I kill all of them because fuck it. They're all they're all pretty pretty like dickish. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. You're all, you all die. And then she's like, I mean, you can't be wrong that way. I like it. You can come join us. And this is where the path splits. And you can either go and report the Dark Brotherhood to the Empire and be, like, stitches. and be like, hey, I know where the Dark Brotherhood are. And they're like, okay, cool. We're going to go mount an attack on them. Come along. And Has you anyone ever done join that? Them. I've you can either join that. the Dark Brotherhood or the Narc Brotherhood. Yeah. God, damn straight. No. Um, God damn, that was good. Or, you know, you do the correct thing, which is join the Dark Brotherhood. You get introduced <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> Yeah, you do the right thing and join the assassins and murder people. It's a good time. And the end of the Dark Brotherhood mission is really cool because partway through, you get introduced to this important character who's like, hey, I want you to carry out the greatest thing the Dark Brotherhood has done in over 200 years. I want you to kill the Emperor. And you're like, cool. And he's like, ah, not yet. We've got shit to do first. And you've got to assassinate, like, the Emperor's cousin. And you've got to lay traps. It's this whole book. It's, it is Assassin's Creed. You're going up the chain of command to get to the Emperor. And there's all these twists and turns. The other clans get involved. And there's, like, infighting with the Dark Brotherhood. Like, the politics yeah. in the Dark Brotherhood is so well so, done. Yeah. And it's like, how was this hit, kind of, like, not hidden... But it's not main, part of the main no, quest. No, that, that's the point. Why don't you just make that your main quest? If, you, if you, you're you going to judge the, the the game on well, its I main did. quest, then just judge it on that. It's, oh, no, I, I, it's I, awesome. That is my favourite part of the game. It's, 100%. It's, it's so... It's dark and it's twisted and it's, it's, so and it's and then you morally kill, corrupting. But it's, it's brilliant. You kill the Emperor. I found it, I found it balanced with my morals pretty well, yeah. but that's probably more of a me thing. <laughs> you kill the emperor, which is something that I wish had more consequence for around, you know, the politics of the game. But anyway, um, you do that, and then what do you get? You get a really cool horse. Yes. Yep. And you get a really cool dagger. I want to say. Yeah. You get a weapon, don't you? Yeah, you do get a dagger. Um, you do get a, you get a dagger, right? a, a special dagger from. But more importantly, you get a demon horse. What's yeah. he called? Shadow. Shadow. Horse, Shadow. 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 Bigger. Shadow. Shadow. You're thinking of Chilrend, the glass sword. Yeah, from I love Chilrend. Great sword. From the Thieves Guild quest line. Anyway. Yeah. Don't that ask me why that I, that whole, I know that. It's just ingrained. That whole Dark Brotherhood thing is so damn, so goddamn cool. That is good. Now, another reason I don't like the, the main story, and one of the things that really burned me in this game, and maybe this is why it... As you can tell, I'm very much in two camps of this game. Parts of me absolutely adore some things, but parts of me kind of complain a lot, which I, which I tend to do in real life mm. anyway. Um, it's because 
at the at the time i was starting to get a little bit over some of the systems over some of the enemies over some of the repetition the game bugged out on me there was a mission i was really getting into and i just got locked and i couldn't do anything about it and it just pulls it it's it holds my progress at the exact wrong point for me and i just put it down like i am done i put too much effort into this i'm forgiving far too much and i'm done so maybe that has colored my experience and look now that i'm playing it again i am going to play it for a while i can i can see myself sink, sinking another 150 hours into it again um but it's to clear that up maybe that is one of the things there's kind of i think there's a few other like faction missions which i think are really really well done um for example the dlc um with the vampire one, i completely forget what it's called off the top of my head um wasn't there a whole broken thing with the vampire one where if you got bitten oh no sorry that was oblivion you get bitten by a vampire when you're inside oblivion or no there was another area in the dlc anyway if you got bitten by a vampire there there's an ingredient you need to make a potion to cure yourself but that there's one ingredient that's not in that realm (laughs) and you can't go back as a vampire (laughs) so it's like you're kind of cooked oh shivering Um, isles i remember that happened I remember that happening. Dawnguard. That's, yeah, the, that's the name of it. Dawnguard. Dawnguard. Yeah. Uh, the Dawnguard questline is awesome and introduces the single best companion in Skyrim, being Serana, the Vampire Lord. And regardless of whether or not you choose to sign with the Dawnguard or with um, the vampires in Castle Valkyr, I believe it is, um... And, you know, whether or not you fight for good or you become a vampire lord yourself and, you know, destroy things from the inside. Either way, you go through this awesome, awesome journey with Serana and you meet some really interesting characters. And, like, there's so much, like, tied into this. that is It's just awesome. And you have genuine moments with Serana. Like, regardless which way you go down this it all accumulates into a final fight with her father who wants to block out the sun for eternity. Ah, and of course, the Simpsons did that. Mm. <laughs> Simpsons right. did it. Thanks, South Park. Uh, <laughs> and, South Park did it. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, it, it's really cool because, you know, from an, from an objective point of view, if you're a vampire, now obviously you're already hunted down and you're not on equal footing with humans. And the sun is a huge problem for you. Now, you can obviously try and blot out the sun anyway. Yeah, but that will alert all of the humans and make sure that you are all burned constantly. And that's not really going to be beneficial to you. doesn't matter how much strength you have in your castle. You are going to die by sheer numbers. The humans will win. If you want to try and just destroy them because like, hey, vampires aren't that cool. Uh, (laughs) Werewolves are cooler. You know, you get, you get, <laughs> you you end up in this like awesome climactic fight. Yeah, I stand by it. And Saran has this real heart to heart moment with you, and it's like, hey, we've gone through a lot, and we're going to have to kill my father, and I don't want to, but I'm glad that we went through this together. Like, I'm glad we shared this journey. And you're like, I love you. She's one one character you can't fucking marry, and it's like, ah. <laughs> Why? The coolest hey. fucking character in this game and you can't even marry her. And you're like, fuck it. Can I talk about, um, briefly, can I talk about Blackreach? Be- I was just about yes, to throw it. Please. Go for it. Yes. Because 
I have I've I've only relatively recently realized Blackreach's sort of levels of controversy amongst the fandom of Skyrim. I love really? it. I love it. Um I am fascinated by it and it's it's somewhere that on my on my second playthrough of the game I just I couldn't wait um couldn't wait to get to it because well f- sorry for those who don't know can you give us a summation of what black reach is? I will yeah um look I uh, I mean I can't I can't quite remember all the lore but but essentially black reach is just a humongous underground environment um it's sort of like a a a former dwemer um sort of uh, city um that's now populated by falma or the the like night elves and night elves, and yes. and a few a few dwemer relics including some of the centurions and things like that and it's it's just this this humongous cavernous space um vast that it's so vast it's so it's it's a it's a cave essentially i suppose but it's just this big giant open cave and you know the roof of the cave is is sort of up in the distance but it's got these kind of this is the thing about it it's just beautiful it's absolutely beautiful it's got these like green sort of i suppose it's like plant life but it's it looks like lights up in the the roof of the the cave and then within it bioluminescent stuff. that's a great way of putting it thanks bioluminescent and and then within it it's even within this cave there are some like big crumbling ruins of buildings and stuff and uh there's just this it's just this otherworldly space and you know we spoke about we spoke about one of the things that we loved about oblivion the otherworldly nature of it black reach is black reach is the most otherworldly part of the game probably Mm. And I think people don't like it because there are a couple of missions within there that are really frustrating. People don't like it because you have to search for like known routes, and it can yeah, be really yeah, it can be really hard to find them. Um, so I get that, but for me, I loved it. I, I I could spend hours here, and there's a moment. There's a moment in it where you've been down there for a long time, and you get to this point. <clears throat> One of the things I haven't mentioned actually is the music in Skyrim. Love it, just love it. It can be. Oh yeah. yes, um, it ain't bad, it's, is it? It's on there. <laughs> but um, but in Blackreach, there's this kind of atmospheric, sort of slightly brooding, uneasy nature about the music. And you get to this one point, and it's it's in it's at one of these ruins, these kind of crumbling old Dwemer buildings. And you go around a corner, and as you go around a corner, just into your view comes this giant orb protruding light. It's this like ornate structure, but it's this this giant sphere just hanging um, hanging there in the in the air. And as as it as you see it for the first time, the music like changes, and it it's like sparkles the music kind of like a crystal kind of like tingling kind of sound it's 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 weird and that moment is just i don't know it's so bizarre and surreal it's like it's got this sort of cerebral quality to it um ethereal quality to it and 
it's a moment. It's one of those moments in gaming that has just stuck with me. It's lived with me forever. And I love that. It's one of my favorite moments in gaming history. Um, there's also a, a weird thing that you can do with it. Whereas if, if you dragon shout at it, a dragon appears out of it. Um, you, you summon a dragon. It's like a little hidden Easter egg. Um, do do that if you haven't yet, Jesse. And then you get to fight the dragon there. But yeah, um, that's pretty cool. It, I don't know. It's just it's amazing because it's like because it's such a sparsely populated place as well, and often you've killed most of the things that you need to by the time you see this giant orb, and it's just like, what is this place? I want to know what this is for. And there's nothing. There's no lore. There's no explanation. There is nothing about what this <laughs> orb is. And I've tried to read up on the internet, like what is it? And the only thing you can find is people who have made shit up because there's nothing. There's no information about what this thing is. You know. Guess the other thing I think like that really makes Blackreach stand out for me is that you can access Blackreach from many different locations and dungeons inside of Skyrim. So because you you do that, you'll be adventuring through some cave somewhere and then eventually you'll come and find this weird uh, solid bronze Dwemer door and yeah. you'll go through and all of a sudden you're in the Blackreach zone. Or you're you're going through some Duemo ruins and you find another door somewhere and you're you're pottering around the area and you'll you'll end up there. These are like places on opposite ends of the map. It makes everything feel connected and like mm. it, it just it glues everything together. That there's this this vast space underneath everything that you're you're adventuring on top of. It's yeah, awesome. so true. And I, think- I feel like sorry, Jesse, what were you going to say? I feel like you, the way you say that connects everything together. I think in a world that can sometimes feel quite uh, split because, you know, there's that loading screen between going, you know, room to room and house to house yeah. and stuff like that. I feel like the way that Black Reach, you know, reaches every corner of the map um, mixed with the mountain passes does really help uh set the illusion of this is a cohesive world they, it does go a long way to make it feel like this is one big map yeah i really like sorry yeah. simon what are you gonna say uh i was just gonna say that like and i think one of my favorite things about black reach is that i have spent quite a lot of hours just adventuring throughout black reach itself and still not come across everything like no. I found all sorts of weird and wonderful little things. Like there's a particular place where you can actually mine geodes for soul crystals. And then I heard about the fact that there's another place very similar to that on the opposite side of Blackreach that you can do a similar thing, but there's also a waterfall there that you can like dive under and find yeah. a treasure chest and stuff yeah. like that. And I'm like, this is so fucking cool. Like it, I think Blackreach is my f- favorite single area of the whole game. Because it's just so cool, and it it feels almost alien, and not like yeah, yes, not we not like the sort of like ah uh, little green men kind of alien. It's familiar, but not you know it's, what it is. It's that sort it, of it's, inversion. It's that deep sea alien. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah it's a very it. deep ocean where it's like yes. this is everything I know, but it's a little bit twisted, and there's those little bits of light there. They don't feel real. They feel they feel unnatural. And the way that everything um, has adapted to live mm. down there. So you've got the uh, the Thelma and the elves that have lived underground for so long. Their eyes have sort of become bigger so they can see. Um, you have one of my favorite things that, Gaz, you, you mentioned this earlier. Um, 
in set designs is a massive cavernous space with a massive building or structure yeah. in it. Just because you look at the structure and you're like, wow, that is awesome in scope. And then you think of how big the rest of the place is and it just it amplifies everything and it doesn't feel right. It feels like you're brilliantly, you know, it feels like you're at the bottom of the Marianas Trench. Mm. Yeah. Everything mm. is too big down Do you know, here. It's, it's, it, a, it's, it's, it's a weird comparison, but it's actually, it's almost Bioshock-esque uh, in its atmosphere. Yeah, right? yeah, right. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's a. That is, you feel, you yeah. feel pressure around you at all times. Mm. You feel like this could all come crushing down, but there's like forces at work here that are just too strong to be defeated. It, well, it's, it's very, very cool. I mean, yeah, because partially as well, because the fact that there are lots of hidden enemies in that area. There's um, I forget what the creatures are called, but those weird like, um, the 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 creatures that the Falmer keep as pets, and they're those weird little centipede things yeah. that's a bit venom at you mm. and then there's some of them which um like evolve wings and can fly around as well there's some of those <laughs> down there and they are they're hidden fucking everywhere and of course if you get there and you see them you can break the eggs before they hatch sometimes you're not quick enough and then like a small army of them just hatch from this one area and you're like shit i am entirely out of my depth here where can you go to hide? Because oh, I just run back through the door and that's it. Through the loading screen, I'm safe. The nearest door is a good three-minute sprint away. <laughs> so you can try and run away, but they don't lose aggro that quickly. They will follow you and they can outrun you. And so you just have to sit there and try and fight them. But it's not that easy because they're flying around, zigzags and spitting venom at you the whole time. And it is, it's 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 really tense and it's not just one instance of that they are around every fucking corner if you're not careful i just imagine um you know somebody from bungie playing black reach and just being like i like these orbs i really like all these orbs everywhere <laughs> years later they became destiny okay there's orbs carried through from black reach through to destiny because as soon as you guys start talking about orbs, i'm gonna think of it's destiny now before we start to wrap up i want to go around the room and ask what you guys want from Elder Scrolls 6. What is there something real quick that you want them to improve on, change, introduce, whatever, for the new one? For it to be on the uh, PlayStation. Sorry, with you. <laughs> you should have bought both. I, okay. want, I want the magic quest line to actually involve magic. Because for the love of God, as a two-handed warrior who knew nothing about magic, are suddenly becoming the Archmage of the college... <laughs> <laughs> I felt a little bit weird. That is so that. true. That's very true. Honestly, I think I think if you went to Hogwarts and you had a massive two-handed sword, I reckon you could work your way up to principal pretty quickly. That's so true. Gillen, <laughs> what about you? Um, like I said before, Morrowind, you were Jesus. Oblivion, you were basically no one. In Skyrim, you were freaking Jesus again. I want to be no one again in this game. I want it to be uh uh, no obligation, you know. I don't have a destiny. I set my destiny. I think you've just kind of nailed why I didn't click with the character. Yeah. Like, you know, your role in the world because you can go and do anything. You can go and just do side quests. But just like thematically, it didn't make sense yeah. because you are this Christ-like figure who's returned. You're meant to be part of the story. Maybe that's the kind of uh, disconnection I, I think felt. So. Got, we got there in the end, I guess. This is like my like therapy session for Skyrim. <laughs> we got there in the end. Three therapists to calm you the yeah. fuck down. We got you there, Jesse. It's all good. What about you? 
Um, I would like more weird areas like Blackreach or like like beyond the gates of oblivion more weird stuff um to go some diversity in the world would be nice mm. because it it is just a lot of snow and mountains and forests. which is beautiful absolutely stunning but with uh, an e- but yeah. exception did you guys play the dlc for for skyrim specifically um the one set in solstheim solstheim yeah. yes no. oh that was so fun the yes. dragonborn that- dlc the Dragonborn DLC that takes you to some weird freaking places. Yeah. That yeah, library because, thing with yeah, like it, the hey, shifting true. levels and oh my god, it was Amias awesome. Mora. I think the um, yes, yep. the dangerous the Lord, yeah. Yeah. Lord, yeah, and, yep. more, oh, of man, more of that. That is that is first off quite creepy in and of itself. But then secondly, when I went through that, I was pretty strong. Like, I'd been playing a lot of the base game. I was pretty fucking strong at this point. I had destroyed um, Castle Volkir and, you know, all the vampire lords and everything. And I had Serana running around with me doing all sorts of crazy shit. I felt powerful. And then I get taken into this place and I feel like nothing. I feel completely out of my element and I'm running around in this weird universe where everything's twisting as you run through it and then you try to jump somewhere but then your jump sends you upside down and you're like, what the fuck is happening? This is crazy. This is so much fun. And I loved that so much. And then also you get to learn to, uh, the the shout to control and ride dragons. But which, it, fuck, it, yes. it suggests to me that Bethesda know that they're onto a winner when they do stuff that's a bit a bit weird and they probably yeah, yeah. went we didn't have enough of this in uh, in Skyrim so let's make sure it's in the the DLC and surely they will put it in the next Elder Scrolls I hope they do it I hope they don't drink their own bathwater of this one because I think since <laughs> Skyrim came out 10 years ago it has the legacy of that game has become bigger than the game itself so I think when you when you kind of like look back on the game you think of something very different but when you play it again okay some of the realities come back to you so I'm hoping they're just not like everyone loved this game. It was perfect. That's why people still talk about it. Let's just make the same game look prettier. I'm worried about that because look, Bethesda's not exactly swinging for the fences lately. So I'm a little bit... Well, know. now that they're but, under Microsoft, I oddly enough have a little bit more hope that they will be able to pull something together that will... Because the thing is, is that they're, they're putting themselves into a corner by having not released a new game for the Elder Scrolls franchise in... 10 years it means that elder scrolls 6 whenever that does come out wherever that set has got to be this incredible game that's got to tick so many checkboxes that people have built for themselves and while it's not really fair on the developers to expect that of them if it's anything less then they run into trouble it's the same thing as with like half-life 3 when that eventually comes out if it isn't the greatest game ever made people are going to be kind of upset about it and, and that's that's my worry is they're not going to take risks because of that. Yeah, absolutely. But that's I, that's the thing they can't like Half Life Three can't be completely different. No, but it has to be Half Life Two continuation. Yeah, Same but I, I think they, they with, lean to that too much. With Microsoft now owning Bethesda the way that they do, I think Bethesda now have a much bigger uh, resource pool to draw from. And that includes better quality control because, Jesus Christ, the amount of fucking bugs in Skyrim is insane. And, you know... Oh, hi, puppy cat. I didn't realise you were in here. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Simon's, like, Simon's got his uh, strange, wrongly named cat near him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like, then 
they can have more environment designers and they can have more interesting environments because instead of it being because skyrim's development was weirdly small there was like eight people that did 90 percent of the dungeons there was like 20 people that did the map overworld as a whole and single like single-handedly placed towns and like bandit camps and points of interest all over the map they did that by hand they didn't just roll a handful of dice and go all right cool this is where shit goes they went through this meticulously and with a much 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 bigger team we can get more of the stuff that we like out of it and they can afford that time and those resources to put into that well, I hope they do because the, the the thing I want from this game most is seamless transitions between areas. That's all I want. <laughs> I hate those load screens. They break up. They are monotonous. It doesn't feel right when you're leaving a cave with just this blinding white light. It's like no, I want to actually leave a cave naturally, and that way the world will stitch together very nicely. I would also like a smaller map. I I I think I don't think you get that since no. I, I don't think we'll get it either, but I would like a smaller, slightly more curated map. I think while the Skyrim map and, and its scope is was very, very ambitious and very, very cool at the time, I think since then a lot of games went sort of bigger, bigger, bigger with maps, and then it just got to this breaking point where people want something a little bit smaller, um, less repetition. There are a lot of empty areas in, in Skyrim. There are a lot of just fields of nothing. Just wind them back a little bit and mm. t- take away a little bit of player fatigue. That could just me become being a little bit older now. I don't have as much time to play, so I don't want to spend my time just running through an empty field. Just tidy everything up. Maybe make a few more interior um, areas. I know you can go into a lot of caves, but I'd like to go into more houses or have you know houses be a bit more developed and towns be a bit more uh, developed. Make yeah. those a bit richer and scale down some of the outside. I, I would like that a lot. And some different biomes as well. I'm not quite sure where the new one's set. I think they've announced. Where is the new one set? They haven't. They haven't told us. They haven't. I thought they did. No. Uh, okay. The the teaser well, trailer I, that I we would... got was basically the camera panning along the coast, and that's it. So it's probably so somewhere cool. along like, the coast. <laughs> somewhere along the coast. Give me some like jungles, forests, mountains. I don't just want a lot of snow, which we kind of got with this. But look, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Let's wrap it up there because let's face it, we could probably talk about Skyrim for another four hours. Probably. Um, but we won't. Before um, the the 10th anniversary edition comes out, or when the 10th anniversary edition comes out, let's meet up again to discuss it. Um, and then we can meet again for the 20th anniversary edition. <laughs> but um, never in between those dates. Never. No, no I, I won't be seeing you guys until then, okay? Um, I'm looking for Mjolnir for, the, um, for then. Nice. Now, Gaz, if people want to listen to your beautiful voice yet again, oh, yeah. where, where, can they, where can they find you? Just keep listening to this because Simon sounds very similar to me, I've heard. It is very distracting. <laughs> yeah. um, no, come and, come and listen to us at Fan Critical. Um, we are we're available on all the usual podcast areas. What, what do you call them? Podcast. Dis- Len normally wraps up your podcast. Yeah, he does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I'm talking the bus here. Yeah. What would Len say? Um, yeah, so we're, Fan Critical is the best place to find us. That's our umbrella, our umbrella pod that contains everything that we do. Um, All the check us out on Facebook. We're just Fan Critical there. Um, we're we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Um, Twitter. 
Uh, we're on. That's that's probably it, isn't it? MySpace, Pinterest, yeah. LinkedIn. Those ones, <laughs> LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seek.com.au. Uh, not yet. We're not. In, we're not employing yet, but we might one day. Um, who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, definitely check us out if you are interested in listening to us talk about films and TV. I am about to go and record another podcast this evening with uh, with my fan critical member teammate John. We're doing a doing a worst of Netflix where we talk about some of the worst films available. What do you watch? Cool. Oh, it's called Hot. Hot is it, have you is watched it, about a it yet? Robot? Or, yes, I've watched it, and yes, it is about a pleasure model sex robot uh, that falls is into it, the hands of a couple of quirky teenage nerds. Think you've heard this or worse that, than baby Gav, that could have been us. If we grew up together, Gav, that would have been us. Oh, 100%. Okay. And then 100%. it would have been like it was a microwave. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Imagine all the shit we're talking the burn water of a hospital all the time together. <laughs> time we had sex in the microwave. Um, uh, but yeah, like I said, if you want to catch up with all the great fan critical podcasts and the new shows you've been releasing, uh, Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcasting platforms, which is where you can also find Story Mode, mm. uh, a video game podcast. Just search for Story Mode, a video game podcast. You also find episodes of Love Letters. I haven't done one for a while. Gaz, maybe I'll shoot you a message to do one soon. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll do Skyrim again. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Let's um, do something else. I mean, now, if you want to keep up, with, up to date with all the uh, Skyrim and gaming news, storymodegaming.com you can also find us on all social media platforms all the good ones all the ones that's still around you can't find us on myspace but we're at storymode aus we're also on twitch at storymode aus where you can find these podcasts getting recorded live every sunday evening and we also do a bunch of streams throughout the week we played a shit ton of the forest last night and it was good and keelan i'm so sorry for knocking down our little uh our little hut i hate you but we'll be back at it next saturday <laughs> and we'll have a few other streams this week um and as Gaz mentioned at the start of the podcast, I believe, uh, Fan Critical is on Patreon. Just search for Fan Critical. Chuck a couple of uh, coins our way. And you get access to a bunch of uh, extra content, mm. which is always good. But, lads, it's been a pleasure. Gaz, thank you for joining in. Here's the assignment you contractually obliged. Yeah. There's no real contract, but I would yell at you in the WhatsApp group if you didn't rock up, okay? Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, thanks for joining us. Ah, thanks for inviting me, mate. It's been a delight. Thanks for having me, boys. Any any time. And uh, thanks for people in the chat. Check us out on Twitch. And thanks to to you, dear listener. Listen to this in your headphones. Um, go play some games, be safe, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 Mwah, COVID safe kiss. Laters, potatoes. Fuck me. <laughs>